approaching those of Satan, usually represented by Christians as Jews, Muslims, or other infidels. Later, the end of history sheds its religiosity, but Jerusalem remains at least implicitly the backdrop under which millennial images are thrown by social utopias, whether founded by pilgrims in the New World, by communards in Europe, or by communists. Ultimately, a continuous twentieth and twenty-first century war against evil turns out, surprisingly, to be centered on Jerusalem, a pivotal point of both the Cold War and the War on Terror. Having begun as the ancient city of Apocalypse, it became the magnetic pole of Western history, doing more to create the modern world than any other city. Only Jerusalem, not Athens, Rome, or Paris, Not Moscow or London, not Istanbul, Damascus, or Cairo, not El Dorado or the New York of immigrants' dreams, only Jerusalem occupies such a transcendent place in the imagination. It is the earthly reflection of heaven, but heaven, it turns out, casts a shadow. Thus, across the centuries, the fancied city creates the actual city, and vice versa. The more exalted the metaphoric status of Jerusalem, as the Jerusalem scholar Sidra de Coven Ezrahi writes, the more dwarfed its geopolitical dimensions. The more expansive the boundaries of the holy city, the less negotiable its municipal borders. Therefore, war. Over the past two millennia, the ruling establishment of Jerusalem has been overturned eleven times, almost always with brute violence, and always in the name of religion. This book will tell the story of those wars, how sacred geography creates battlefields. Even when wars had nothing literally to do with Jerusalem, the city inspired them with the promise of the glory of the coming of the Lord. With his terrible swift sword, as put by one battle hymn from far away. Metaphoric boundaries obliterate municipal borders, with disputes about the latter spawning expansions of the former, even to distant reaches of the earth. Jerusalem fever infects religious groups, certainly the three monotheisms that claim the city. Although mainly a Christian epic, Its verses rhyme with what Judeans once did, what Muslims took to, what a secular culture unknowingly pursues, and what parties to the city's contemporary conflict embody. Yet, if Jerusalem is the fever's chosen niche, Jerusalem is also its antidote. Religion, likewise, is both a source of trouble and a way of vanquishing it. Religion, one sees in Jerusalem as nowhere else, is both the knife that cuts the vein and the force that keeps the knife from cutting. Each tradition enlivens the paradox uniquely, and that, too, is the story. For Jews, Jerusalem, after the destruction of the temple by the Babylonians and then the Romans, means that absence is the mode of God's presence— First, the Holy of Holies and the rebuilt temple of biblical times was deliberately kept vacant, vacancy itself mythologized. Then, after the destruction by Rome, when the temple was not rebuilt, 
the holy place was imagined in acts of Torah study and observance of the law, with a return to Jerusalem constantly felt as coming next year. Throughout centuries of diaspora, the Jewish fantasy of Jerusalem kept communal cohesion intact, enabled survival of exile and oppression, and ultimately spawned Zionism. For Christians, the most compelling fact of the faith is that Jesus is gone, present only through the projections of sacramentalism. But in the ecstasies of evangelical fervor, Jesus can still be felt as kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood for you. So Jerusalem lives as the locus of piety, for you can kneel there too. The ultimate Christian vision of the future, the book of Revelation, is centered in the city of the Lord's suffering, but now that anguish redeems the very cosmos. Even in the act of salvation, the return...